This time on Archery in Depth, we are talking Nox. Everything you wanted to know about Nox and more. How are we finding this out? We're talking a biter. German engineering, German manufacturer of some of the best Nox you're going to find for any arrow. Hunting, target, 3D, all of it. We're going to find out what's proper Nox size, fitment, all that other stuff. You're going to learn something in this episode. I guarantee it. I certainly learned a bunch. We're going to find out what things you need to look for, sizing parameters, all sorts of good stuff, all from some of the best in the business. So if you want to figure out how do I find the right knock for my arrow and my purpose, give it a listen. You're going to like it. I'm Marty Judnick, Archery in Depth. Let's go. All right. We are talking knocks with Andreas Lorenz from Biter Knocks. How's it going? Hi there. It's fine. It's uh Beautiful day, afternoon here in Germany. I'm happy to be online with you in the U.S. Excellent. Well, thanks so much for joining us. It's a beautiful day in America as well. It's a beautiful day for archery for both of us, I suppose. Absolutely. Well, great. Well, you know, the purpose of having this episode was to talk a lot more about Knox and the technology of Knox, how they relate to arrows and archery, all that other stuff. I think Biter makes some of the best knocks in the world, and I wanted to get some more information from you about some of the thought process, engineering, all that other good stuff that goes into all the Biter knock products, and there are a lot of them, so we're going to go through them, but why don't we start with a little bit of the history of Biter and how Biter got into archery, got into the knock game, and, and kind of that stuff. Well, it's, uh, so that's Mr. Werner Biter, the founder of the company, uh, was a mold maker uh, uh, doing precision mold, uh, molded uh, products, uh, injection molded products, not in archery, but uh, he started uh, to do archery uh, in mid 80s. And six months after he started, he realized that he needed to invent something. His main, I mean, he had already a bunch of patents out of archery and he patented the first uh, knocking point to serve in knocking point. Uh, and after that, he said, okay, now I need also a knock because he saw that the knocks at that time were um, knocks that were on conus. So the, the knocks that were uh, on aluminum shafts had the aluminum shafts had the conus and the knocks were put on the, the, the conus of the shaft. And he realized, I mean, he was not an archer. So he, 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 he started to think different and as an inventor. And uh, he, he said, why, why we just don't cut the cone off? <laughs> and uh, I, I am able to do knocks in any size uh, to go into a shaft. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, he cut cone off and started to do knocks to be inserted on the shafts and at that time we had carbon pulled through the carbon shafts coming on the market at that time beam and pulled through the carbon shafts and they needed some out knocks and he said well what i can do as an in knock i can do also as an out knock and that's how he started at the same time uh, Werner uh, started to do high speed video to better understand archery he was together with easton at that time was one of the first companies doing high speed movies videos of archery and he realized what he needed to do to do the best possible knock so the insert out knock yes the type of knock but how to to design the back of the knock 
And for him was very important. And we still nowadays produce our knocks out of a single mold cavity. So each knock, each bite of knock, original bite of knock is coming out of a same cavity. That means each size has only one single cavity. That's a very important thing. It's if somebody asks himself why knocks are more expensive than others, it's clear not only the, the fact that uh, we are producing in Germany, exclusively in Germany, we also produce each knock size out of one mold, one cavity. And that was a major key of the actual design of the knock, which has parallel wings at the end, which are snapping on the, sh- on the string and not clamping on the string. So the biter, the, the end, the wings, or the, the, the final part of the knock will snap on the string and not clamping on the string. That's one of the main issues and main advantages of a bite knock towards any other knock on the market. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that for a second because that was actually going to be one of my first questions for you is tolerance to the serving and how a knock attaches to a string and serving because biters are somewhat different than the rest of the knocks on the market how they connect and like you're talking about those wings are a very unusual um, and specific design to biter and I I think they're great because they allow you to attach it to the string and serving but it doesn't really clamp on it the way a traditional knock does with with not a lot of give, biters seem to have a good amount of give on it, yet they'll clamp on. Exactly. I mean, if you look at the design of the biter knock, it uh, it has a, a cone-shaped intro for the uh, for the string. That means if you are the, the the wings are parallel, but inside they are conical. So it's it's like an inbite of the sh- of the string. Okay. Then it's a, a when you insert it on the string, there is a, a resistance, which is exactly the most important part of it, the snap-on resistance. That means the wings open and close again. And they open and close again, always the same, at the same, so they're snapping, okay? And once the string has, or the knock has snapped, the string is inside the circular cavity of the knock, the knock bed, we call it. And on the knock bed, the knock, itself must be able to move on a string serving, okay? Mm-hmm. So the biter knock, if there is no knocking point on a string serving, has to be free to move up and down. I hope this is clear, Oh yeah, Michael. Oh, yeah. So that's important. It should not, it should not be able to twist or to, to, to cant. It should stay on the string and can should be able to move up and down. That's very important. It should not, when you, once you have it snapped on, it should not be fixed on this, on the serving. So if this is the case, the serving is too large or the knock size too small. Yep. I was going to ask you what your idea of an ideal tolerance is, because what you're explaining is once the knock is on the serving, you know, if it's too tight, then as you're sort of twisting your arrow and knock around that, serving you may be twisting the actual string itself you know it's so Correct. tight it's pulling the whole thing but that's not ideal what you want is that knock and arrow to f- move freely on it but not come off the string but what not come off and not can't not canting not uh i mean it should be straight the knock should be straight in the string yeah 
do you have a measurement or a sort of uh, yes. procedure to test what you think is ideal? Like some people pull the string back a certain amount of point and then let it go from brace height, and that's how they test how strong or or how attached it should be. No, no, no. We, we actually we have measurement of the of the knock itself and our knocking point. So our knocking point size is the reference. On our website, you find data sheets showing the diameter of our knocking point for number one, or for number two, uh, um, for number one and number two knocks. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, the number two, uh, that's maybe also interesting for the audience. Number one and number two are asymmetric knocks. We are immediately talking about what does it mean, and the hunter knock. We also have in number one and number two, the number one hunter knock will be introduced June this year, so in about four to five weeks. Uh, one and two means small and large groove. And this small and large groove are determined by the size of the knocking point. So uh, compared to, for example, an eastern shaft, our number one knock is a little bit larger in the diameter, inside diameter, than a small size Eastern Genoc, for example. Mm -hmm. And our number two, or Hunter number two, or asymmetric number two, are just a little bit larger than a large Eastern Genoc. So we, our knock bed is a slightly larger. And you can see all these measurements online on the www.wvernerbeiter.com website uh, on the data sheets. And you see the measurements of all our knocks, which is the same. All our knock have the same knock bed, and number one, number two. But in any size of knock, the number one will fit the same on the string. So this is a big advantage if you change, for example, from a pin knock of a small diameter shaft to a large diameter direct fit insert knock. Mm -hmm. The knock fit will always be the same. Yeah, and that's really important. So sort of what we're talking about is in biter's way of measuring your knock attachment onto your string and serving, you have a number one size and you have a number two size, one smaller, one's bigger. But that doesn't change throughout all of your knock offerings. So if you order a biter knock, let's say an insert style knock, and then you're also gonna order some pin knocks. When you order the size one for everything, that's gonna fit the same serving. So you can you can change different arrows, different end, you know, attachment points, all that, but it's always going to say the same size. So when you find your serving size that you like and it has a good fit, now you can order all the different kinds of knocks you want with that same size and they'll always stay the same, right? You brought it to the point. Exactly. This is the point of the fact. Perfect. And and to, to say this, why we have an asymmetric and a symmetric knock? Well, we have an asymmetric knock uh, at the beginning because Mr. Biter was a recurve shooter. And shooting recurve with a Mediterranean style means you shoot two finger under the knock, one finger over the knock. And looking at the high speed movies, you saw exactly that one of these three fingers is longer than the other two. So this finger is leaving the string at last. Mm -hmm. It's clear. The longer finger is leaving the string at last. Sure. Where this finger is located, it is under the knock. And you can see it easily, and uh, we also have some drawings on the data sheet. That means that the, the string location in the knock is asymmetric. But it's clear because the last finger leaving the string is under the knock. Mm -hmm. 
And same it was for compound before a D-loop started to be common. At the beginning, we had 48 inches compound bows Mm -hmm. (laughs) in the 80s. Uh, Now, not. What we have now are 34, 36. And and in any case, in in the last 20 years, almost everyone shoots with a D-loop. That's why 25 years ago, I think, Mr. Biter started uh, uh, to do a knock, which is the, we call it hunter knock. Mm-hmm. It's the symmetric knock. Mm-hmm. It's also available in a variety of sizes for direct fit, pin, uh, but also we 25, 12, 26, 13, or we have um, uh, 23, 8, or 8. I mean, we have knock, direct fit knocks for almost every error on the market. And that's also an important thing. We are knock manufacturer, not a bushing manufacturer. Right. So for us, a bushing is a way of having a tolerance in a shaft. Mm-hmm. The less tolerance that I have in the shaft, the more precise is my arrow. Logically, also a pin is a bushing. So if my choice is not to shoot pins, but logically the industry wants pins because it's standardized, uh, it's standardizing the whole uh, manufacturing process. Okay, so let's, back, let, let's stock, back up a second. Let's back up. Yeah, that was. Yeah. I feel like that was very important, and not a lot of people think about this. I believe what you're telling us is, when we're looking at what is the most consistent and will give you the best accuracy when it comes to fitting a knock to an arrow, what you're saying is, if you have to put in a bushing, which includes pin knocks, a pin knock is just a bushing with an anchor. A bushing is not as good, it's not as accurate, doesn't have the tolerance as an insert or outsert knock that goes directly into a carbon or aluminum shaft. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Correct. Okay. That's great. That's very interesting. And I want to get back to your asymmetrical versus hunter style knock because I think there's I think there's a lot of misunderstanding, at least in America, as to how those work because people go back and forth, they they shoot different ones and they may not be perfectly sure which it is so we have asymmetrical and then we have hunter style which are the two general categories from biter asymmetrical was realistically created for recurve archers because like you said they don't use a d-loop they use your fingers and we're talking about string angle really we're talking about string angle versus how the knock attaches to that string angle and the asymmetrical that knock bed that attaches to your serving it's angled right that's why it's asymmetrical it's not perfectly perpendicular which the hunter is the asymmetrical has an actual angle into the knock so if you were to twist it and rotate it around you would be changing the way it attaches to the string right absolutely actually if you are using a bite of knocking point as a recurve it will detach from the string <laughs> Because it's uh, it it is it, 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 if you put the knock upside down on a on a biter knocking point and try to shoot it, the knock will detach during the draw. Sure. Uh, the point is that if you shoot it, and uh, that's interesting, uh, asymmetrical knock, as we said earlier, was used uh, on a compound as well, mm-hmm. uh, holding under the knock, but the angle was big enough to not let the knock. Uh, D-knock from the from the string. Sure. But in the moment the D-loop started, what we are doing, we are drawing the arrow in line with the knock. Mm-hmm. That's why it's symmetric, as you said. Um, in the asymmetric, you have you can use an asymmetric knock even with the D-loop, and some some archers are doing this. 
I know some compound arches in the US are using asymmetric knocks as well mm -hmm. and at least tried them for a while. Some shooting them even upside down. I mean, they tried everything, but yeah. the, the main issue is we, our proposal, and that's what the top archers worldwide are shooting, that are shooting a biter knock, they're shooting in the compound, a hunter knock. I mean, Mike Schlösser, Sergio Piney, uh, Martin Damsbo, uh, Tate Morgan in the US, uh, Chris Schaaf, I mean, all these guys, Chris Perkins, mm -hmm. they're all shooting biter knocks, and they're shooting hunter knocks. Yeah. I, so there's a reason why we, we, we say if you shoot a D-loop, shoot a hunter knock. Yeah. But some still try to, 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 to do something different. But the top guys are shooting hunter knocks. That's it. Yeah. In theory, there should not be any reason to not shoot a hunter knock on a compound bow with a D-loop because that D-loop yeah. is, is pulling that string back equally and you want that perpendicular angle. You wouldn't necessarily want the asymmetrical angle, it'd work, right? It's not like it's going to go crazy and do something strange. It'll still work. It just wouldn't be ideal. Would that be a good way of putting it? Well, yeah, we just try to give uh, a certain uh, direction to our product. And our asymmetric knock is for bearable and recurve, and our symmetric knock, the hunter knock, is for compound with you. That's exactly what we say, and we, we trust in it. Nice. Let's... Go back to bushings versus straight into an arrow for a second because there's a lot of different offerings for that. Now, obviously, when we talk about, let's say, aluminum arrows, there's a couple different bushing options for that. Um, carbon arrows, the same thing. Can you go into a little bit of the difference that the Biter offers insert style knocks and then outsert style knocks and then sort of a hybrid as well? So these are some that yeah. they just go inside the shaft, some go outside the shaft, some are both. Help us understand what would be the advantages or disadvantages of either style. Okay. Mainly, uh, it's clear. The, the typical biter knock in my eyes is the insert knock. It's a knock which goes into the shaft. We have different sizes available. We have standardized sizes. So uh, sort of, let's call them GHFX knocks, okay? Called in with the names of other manufacturers. But these are nothing else than... 0 0.166, 0 0.204, 0 0.234, uh, 0 0.245 uh, uh, inches insert knocks, okay? And these will fit direct or into bushings having these fit. The point is, Viter is doing insert knocks for most of the arrows with a direct fit because we still believe a direct fit is giving less, or not we believe, that's that. Uh, Fact: mm -hmm. A direct fit knock has less tolerances than any bushing attached to an arrow or any pin attached to an arrow. Uh, and 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 fact is, we try to uh, have less tolerances or less variables on an arrow and on our bows. The less we have, the less problems we will have. Mm -hmm. Fact is that even on a pin knock, the advantage of a pin knock, for example, is that the main advantage is that you have. Uh, as a dealer, less stock keeping units. Right. <laughs> but uh, for sure, a steadier knock than a, 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 the larger the knock is, the steadier it is. On the other hand, it's easier to shoot a Robin Hood with a larger knock, which is fitting directly into a shaft. Right. That's also clear. 
This episode of Archery in Depth is brought to you by Xfocus 365, the maker of premium lenses for archery. Did you know lenses aren't just for target archery, they're also for hunting. You can hunt with a lens and it makes your life a lot easier. If you're looking to buy a lens to go hunting with, check out the Xfocus 365 GH series of lenses. These will not only shed water good, they're tough. So they're kind of made to go through the brush, through the scrapes, this, that, without getting messed up, without showing scratches on your lens excellent lens when you want to see the target a little closer a little clearer you could put it in all sorts of scope housings like a spot hod things like that go check them out when you're ready to take your hunting experience to the next level go check out a lens you can find them at xfocus365.com you can also find them on arcuswork.com go try them they're amazing check it out to explain better why we have different style of knocks except the insert knock for example um, in the recurve they have the x10 arrow or in the combine, the X10 Pro Tour, which is a very thin shaft from Eastern. So the X10 arrow has a uh, inner diameter in millimeters of 3.24 millimeters. It's too small to do an insert knock. So we don't have an insert knock for this arrow mm-hmm. for the Y. What we have is an in-out knock. The in-out knock is fitting in the inside and giving stability on the outer diameter. So it's a it's a hybrid knock, if you want to call it like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. We, we also have an out knock, which is going over the shaft. And we also have a pin out knock, which is a knock which is going onto the pin, fitting the pin, and again giving more stability of the, uh, on the knock because it will cover over the color of the pin. Mm-hmm. So it, it is holding not only on the pin, but also on the color of the pin. Yep. So that's a, a double fit, let's Call so it. so we, is... ha- we have in-out in, in, in knocks for the extents, we have out knocks, we have pin-out knocks, and logically we have the pin knock. Now you say, why you have four different type of knocks for one shaft? <laughs> well, fact is, each of these knocks will uh, have a different tuning. Uh, one will be uh, stiffer, one will be weaker, and uh, one will be better for the one archer and better for the other archer. Yep. This is very, very fine tuning at highest level, recurve, Olympic shooting this. But every archer in the world that's, uh, uh, will, will, will just have, as you, as you change the knock, uh, sorry, the point weight, as you change the arrow length, as you change the many other variables on your bow, on your arrow, the knock could be one if it's available. So it is a different tune if you have a direct fit insert knock or a pin knock. Mm-hmm. or a bushing knock. And all three are covered by a biter. Yep. So I think this is really important. So we're talking about micro diameter shafts. We're talking about Easton X10s. We're talking about pro comps. We're talking about all of your outdoor style, long, long range shooting. And Correct. the challenge is most people use a pin knock because there's no real, it's too small to put an insert style knock into that. So that's why most people go with pin knocks also to avoid Robin hoods, but biter offers four different knocks for these shafts that just do different things. And like you talked about, it's really interesting. Go to the biter website to check them out in, in detail, but we have the out knock, which there's no pin bushing. It simply goes over the outside of the bare shaft. Correct. And the new 451X, it's even fitting over a pin. So you right. can even use a pin under the out knock. That's also interesting. Okay, yeah. So you don't have to, you can choose to have a, 
a pin knock bushing in there, or you can run it without it, which you, I assume you could also do with the in-out knock. Yeah, on that specific arrow. Mm-hmm. It's only working on the on the on the extend arrow. Oh, yeah. okay, only on that arrow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, like we're talking about, the out knock goes completely over the outside of the shaft, doesn't go inside it at all. Then we have in-out knock for these types of shafts, and that does go into the shaft of the arrow, but it also covers the outside collar of the arrow. So just like some people make a out collar bushing type situation to protect the back of an arrow, that's what the in-out knock will do. It goes inside the arrow, it also protects the back collar of it. Sort of the same thing for the pin-out knock, but that's one that does utilize the the pin knock bushing rod there. So you're you're using it like a, a standard pin knock, except it also protects the outside collar, the collar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of, of a shaft. And then we have a standard pin knock like uh, everybody else has, except your pin knocks are different because it has the, the design that we talked about with the wings that sort of clamps on in a very special way, which is very unlike any other knock around, which is great. Correct. It's not clamping, it's snapping on. Snap the, and once it's snapped on, the knock is free to move on the string, which brings us back to the importance of the knocking point. Uh, the knocking point has to be not only in the size and the diameter correct, but also in the height. So we always say to not have a, a knocking point, uh, special metal knocking points are not, if you have two of them, not not nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we served in knocking points, biter, like biter, or a yarn uh, knot knocking point or uh, tape knocking point. But metal knocking points are really not what uh, are good for for bite knock because they are too large. Mm-hmm. They are larger than our roof, so they would uh, damage the knock. So that's something we don't like to see. Uh, but uh, served in or um, knotted, knotted uh, knocking points are absolutely or D loops are absolutely not an issue. Even one metal knocking point on a D loop is not a problem. Just the important is that the Two knocking points are not squeezing the knock, but give it a little bit of uh, tolerance. And that's, again, a, a, a size that you find in the data sheets, how high or how the distance between the two knocking points should be to accommodate that to divide the knocking point. Yeah, that's a great point. So we're talking about creating knock sets. And I think Correct. probably an older technology, because people used to use them as you know, bite knocks and, and all sorts of different things or kisser buttons, but you know, the old brass speed weights, people used to use those as, as knocking sets. And then you would just put those yeah. where your arrow go. I don't see that so much in America these days, but people are messing with lots of different types of knock sets, um, with serving material or what have you, which you talked about. I'm curious what biters opinion would be as to a single knock set in the D loop or two of them, or, you know, what, what has been your experience with knock sets and what's an ideal fit? You know, some people run one, one single knock set below the arrow and then a D loop around the two. Some people run a knock set above and below, and then the D loop on the other side of those. I'm curious what your thoughts were. Well, uh, this is really so individual. Mm-hmm. I mean, I see all, as you, I see all of this happening. <laughs> at top level, I think it's a real thing that uh, the top guys or the, generally the compound archers 
have to decide themselves. As all are used, seems that all are good for some of them. So there is no real indication from us uh, un unless there are metal sure. knock sets that you are using. So all the others are just changing a little bit the geometry. Uh, if you put it just under, probably the D loop will not be exactly in line with the arrow, mm -hmm. or with the, it will be just a little bit more above. So I think this is really something that can be as as we have four different knocking knock styles. Here again, you have some knock set styles or options which are just giving you more change chances to. Uh, to tune your bow. I mean, uh, there is no real indication from our side. Okay. What about, like you said, there's there's certain measurements and, and you definitely want to stay away from metal if you could, but in general, would you say it's more advantageous to, when you're making a brand new knock set, let's say you just reserved uh, a new, a new... Um, string. String, yeah. That's the word I was looking for. You reserve a new string, you're redoing your knock sets in your D-loop, would you suggest giving a little bit of wiggle room in there so that as time goes on and you're starting to get that D-loop pressure more and more, you're avoiding knock pinch, so you leave some room in there? Uh, that's exactly what I was saying. I mean, the distance between the D-loop, whatever it is inside the D-loop, if you have one knock set, two knock set, or no knock set at all, should in any case give the chance uh, to the knock to not be squeezed in. Uh, that's why probably it's better to have at least one, if not two, knock sets inside because they won't squeeze the knock as much as the as the D loop itself, especially on the shorter on the shortest bows. Yep. Yeah. The, 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 the sharper the angle, the the more the problem. Yeah. So for people listening, what we're talking about is if you have, let's say, a shorter axle to axle bow, a thirty inch, a twenty nine inch, something like that, a hunting style bow. When you're drawing back, your string angle is sharp, so you're creating a V that's really, you know, skinny. When you're doing that, when you think about the D loop pulling back, it's pinching on that knock and it's creating a lot of force down on it because of that angle. So if you give it some wiggle room in there, as you're at full draw, that wiggle room lessens and lessens and it starts to pinch that arrow. If you give it that a little extra room for the shorter axle, the axles, that's better, right? Yep. Perfect. But it's, uh, as I said, we have a, a distance that uh, between the two knock sets or the D loop or whatever. The, so you have to give room to that knock. I mean, and we have exactly uh, measured this. And uh, uh, as we give this information, because it's different between number one and number two knocks on our website in the data sheets uh, of the knocking point. I mean, we have a knocking point which has exactly the not only it's the best combination between two plastics, so uh, you're, you're running our knocking point goes into the knock itself. I was to speak about recurve and bearable. It's not to be used on compound, but it gives you a 100% uh, gliding between these two materials. So the, the, they are really, uh, the knock material and the knock point material are absolutely perfect a match. Sure. But it also has a different, a specific size, and this specific size should be used for determining the serving diameter and the knock set distance. And these distances are on our website. I love it. Let's talk so about knock fit, knock fit. Sorry, knock fit is definitely a key issue. 
Not fit is definitely an important issue. And that's why we offer so many different options. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. I think knock fit is going to be one of the main things. When people are frustrated by an, a bow that won't tune, I would say more often than not, knock fit is one of the bigger problems they're dealing with. Yeah. And did you ever think about that uh, the arrow is not in contact with the bow itself? Right. <laughs> Sometimes I speak with others that you know that your arrow is not touching your bow. I mean, you have an arrow from a certain manufacturer and a bow from a certain manufacturer. But at the end, the accessories that are connecting these two, that are connecting that um, force that the string goes, gives onto the shaft, you need components, and these components must, must be the best possible components for you. Mm -hmm. So the arrow rest is important for a compound. On a recurve, it's the plunger and the arrow rest. Mm -hmm. And on the, for both of them, the knock is a key issue on the arrow. Because the knock takes the whole power, force of power that the string gives, the kinetic energy that the string gives onto the arrow is going through the knock. Yep. That's, that's so important. That's why I don't understand anyone messing up with another knock than ours. I agree. That's an interesting point when you think about it. All the junk we buy for bows, there's only two things that, that the arrow itself touches, and that's the knock on the string and your arrow rest, and that's it. Yeah, and that, that's important. And uh, I mean, it's really marketing for Python at the moment. Yeah, I love it. I'm, I, I, but the fact is, why should I save 30 cents or 40 cents on a knock if this is the most important part that is connecting your whole string, your whole bow with the arrow, mm -hmm. giving, giving the direction to that arrow, giving the everything on that arrow. And logically also the arrow rest is important because you have to uh, tune your bow somehow. You have to tune your arrow going out of the bow. And uh, I mean, uh, in the US it's not very common uh, the bite of compound rest, but in Europe and Asia, very, very used by top archers. Uh, uh, I mean, Sarah Lopez is shooting the bite of rest since ever. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and uh, so there must be a reason. It's easy to tune and everything, but it's there are different ways to think about errors. And we are not talking about errors. I was just pointing it out. Yeah. Uh, some people want fall away arrest, some people want blade arrest, some compound I'm talking. And ours is a blade arrest which can be uh, tuned without opening any screw, left, right, top, uh, up and down, in a precision of 0.01 millimeters. And you can put it back because we have a vernier scale on. So you don't open, you don't close any screws. It's, yep. uh, just, just to say, what is important is the fact that the arrow rest is a touching part of the arrow, of the bow, and the knock itself is the connecting part between the string and the arrow. And for me, don't save money on that. Take the best knock you can get. Maybe the Python knock, that's what I hope. Yeah, I agree. Let's talk about that for a second. Let's talk about materials and what, what makes Biter a great knock. What are the materials that go into the knocks and, and why are they superior than maybe others? Well, we used uh, polycarbonate, but a special type of polycarbonate because it is impact resistance. It's the right one. Okay. In impact resistance. So that uh, the polycarbonate has a great impact resistance. It is 
it has just one and 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 had has best so so the material itself has the best options it has just one enemy and that enemy are solvents so acetone is dead for polycarbonate that's important so if you clean your arrows before installing a knock just be sure to give enough time to the acetone to evaporate otherwise if you use any type even if you try to clean the inside of the shaft wait long enough because acetone is killing the knock if you put acetone uh, a knock in acetone it will dissolve itself sure yeah so that's uh, one of them so not don't glue uh, a bite knock never glue a bite knock never glue knocks because glues also have solvents and some of these solvents are the dead for the knock sure i was actually going to so ask you that what what do you recommend yeah. some people use you know soap or string wax or something to lube up the end of the knock as they're inserting it what do you recommend using sure. so depending on what you want to achieve some want to achieve a better gliding into the knock someone wants to achieve the opposite because the knock is maybe or the, the shaft is a bit too large or the knock a bit too small mm -hmm. i mean we have very tight tolerances as we said before we have uh, uh just one cavity so each knock of one size is coming out of the same mold itself okay that's very important we don't have multiple cavities so if we do our knocks they have a, a consistent diameter and if it's the knock is sliding in too light to so that means when 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 the knock has a, is a, a little bit too small, let's say, or the loose. shaft a little bit too big, mm -hmm. to lose, but not lose. It's just it's always a good fit. But we don't have a press fit. Okay, sure. that's important. Bite the knock have a, a straight shank. Mm -hmm. They don't have some small ridges to try to compensate this uh, um, this differences in the arrow shaft diameters. Mm -hmm. We have a a shank which is clean. So if the tolerances in the shaft are a bit bigger, you have to close this gap with either Teflon, so putting on a small amount of Teflon tape and then turning in the knock, the Teflon will uh, distribute itself over the shank of the knock inside the shaft. Or uh, on the bigger knocks, I say you can, with a, a knife, do some one or two indents around the shaft, but usually this is not needed. Sure. If the bite knock ever is too large or you have to force it into the shaft, then logically you can use either loop soap a little bit, or uh, I have a trick, just put them in the fridge for about 20 minutes and then insert it in the shaft. Yep, get it colder, it'll shrink just a little bit, fit a little better. Correct. Important, we have tools helping to install uh, the knocks and replace the knocks without killing the knock itself. So we have a, a, a tool which is called push and pull tool. With the push and pull, it's not it's uh, a knock extractor and also a knock installer. Mm -hmm. uh, the, our push and pull has the negative of a bite of knock. That means you you can use it uh, by inserting the knock in it. And then you can either push the knock into the shaft by turning it or pull it out if you want to change the knock. Mm -hmm. It's important. And rotation of the knock, 
can be very important. Like you said, you don't want to glue any knock in there. And the reason is if you're tuning and you decide one arrow isn't grouping with the rest of them, you may want to just rotate that knock and see if it'll group better, correct? For spine alignment, yes, correct. I mean, you have at least, if you have a fletched arrow, you have 120 degrees, if you have a tree fletching, normal, uh, 120 degrees where you can turn the knock still having the vein alignment correct. But as you say, each, especially carbon arrows, have one side which is stiffer than the other side. That's manufacturer. It's clear. Some arrows have this more, some less. But if you have to spine align the arrow on a fletched arrow, you can you should be able to turn the knock by 120 degrees, yes. It's something I like about the biter knocks in particular is in the mold, when you get your knock, you know, a lot of people wonder what's the correct way up and down to put the knock on the arrow. On a hunter knock, it doesn't matter because it's symmetrical. It can go either way, but you do want to stay consistent. And on the biter knocks, it's imprinted in there. It says biter on one side, and it usually says the size on the other side, correct? Uh, most of them, some older knocks, uh, we, we are still using some molds which are almost 30 years old. <laughs> so they are also the, talking about the, some older knocks don't have, for example, on the knock translucent, you don't see the biter. So on a black or white knock, 1901, uh, 1902, the biter is on the inside. So you don't see it. You see it only on the translucent ones. Mm -hmm. But generally, you're right. The biter should always face your, your eyes. If you read the biter, the knock is correctly inserted and let's keep it also for the hunter knocks there is no reason to shoot the biter hunter knock not with the biter on top right just to make it easy this episode of archery in depth is brought to you by first string the united states based maker of premium bow strings and cables for your bow are you a bow hunter you're looking to up your game in your bow are your strings and cables maybe a little fried or even worse, stock that came with your bow look to upgrade check it out if you go to firststringusa.com for example, the premium line has the Formula X formula. So that's a proprietary formula from BCY just for first string to make a great set of strings. They come in at an excellent price. If you want to just get a premium set, 109 bucks for a full set of strings and cables that are going to be way better than the stock set or the fuzzed up set you have. Like a particular team or color on your bow, check it out. You could upgrade to the premium custom set where they can you can custom set your colors, your servings, all that other stuff. If you're ready to take it to the next level, be much happier with your strings and cables, not see peep rotation, things like that. Go to www.firststringusa.com. Check it out. Yeah. So what we're talking about, listeners, is you always want to shoot your arrow the same way. So your knock needs to be positioned the same way every time. You don't want to be shooting it upside down. And let's just say you have a four fletch. You know, obviously, if you put it the correct way, it could be upside down and you may not notice. If you just do it so that the biter is always facing up or where your eye is, you're going to be shooting that spine consistently every time. And it, even if you have to rotate it, you just want to keep it the same way every time. So biter facing straight up, I assume it's the same way on the asymmetrical knocks, which would be more important. <laughs> yeah. On, on, on the asymmetrical knock, it's, 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 it's the most important thing. But just keep it easy on the biter hunter knock. Just read. If you read a biter on top, you are on the right side. Sure. Let's... Talk a little bit more engineering about the size and shape of a knock in general. Between different manufacturers and knock, you know, creations, we're seeing knocks that will protrude longer and then shorter from the actual end of the arrow. So we're seeing some bushings and then knocks that are really, really close to the end of the arrow. 
We're seeing other knocks that are much longer for where that, that knock bed is from the end of the arrow shaft. What's some of the engineering or thought behind that? Is it is it just contact with the string angle or what's what's the engineering behind the length of the actual knock between the end of the shaft and the knock bed? The knowledge of the material. Okay. If you know plastics, it's interesting. Plastic, the, 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 the material itself must have an elastic component. It sounds strange, plastic elastic, but the fact is there is a resilience of the, sh of the material itself. If you use a too short knock, the, you are not able to keep that knock working as long as a longer knock. So th there is a reason why our knocks have a certain length. As you see, the smaller the diameter of the knock, the smaller is our knock length. The larger it is, the larger is the lock knock length. Because there's always uh, a very important relation between the length of the knock getting out of the shaft or out of the pin or out of the bushing compared to the size of the knock itself. Mm -hmm. So the, a pin knock is logically smaller than a insert knock for a 2216 aluminum shaft. But the, the, the wings itself, everything from the wings till the end of the knock bed is exactly the same in all our uh, knocks of the specific size, as we said before. So number one knock has the same shape from a certain point on as any other number one knock. Just the length of the knock is dependent on the size of the knock itself. Uh, and that's one of the things in my eyes is critical on some very short knocks out on the market. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like it. And getting back to sort of the original biter design, which makes them special and different are those wings. And that's when we're getting into this throat situation in a, you know, almost any other company's knock design, you have sort of a C style and that, it's very rigid and it doesn't flex much and that really snaps onto that serving and I assume it it's really kind of tearing up the serving as you take arrows on and off and shoot them but a biter doesn't work that way those wings snap around it but they they're very flexible so they they move when you're putting it around the serving and and they hold on to it and then when you obviously shoot the arrow it it releases it but the the attachment's just amazing I think with biter and one of the more you know unusual but best engineering concepts from it right yeah well, what uh, just talking about numbers I, I didn't talk about numbers before but if we see that the opening uh, so that there let's say the, the the knock bed itself on the number two knock for example is a 0.118 uh, inches diameter okay mm -hmm. so you can shoot a string which is a 0.11 easily 0.105 important thing the the, the 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 smallest diameter which you achieve at where it should snap on okay is 0 0.98 so logically if you use a string with 0 0.98 it's not snapping mm -hmm. so we have that gap between uh, 0 0.98 and 0 0.118 in between this logically perfect would be a 110 
knocking, uh, knocking, uh, serving diameter. Yep. But you could go down to 106, go up to 112, 113 without any issues. But if you are getting smaller, logically you are getting closer to this 0 0.098. If you have 0 0.098 on your uh, string, you should use a number one knock. Mm -hmm. Just so everybody understands what we're talking about, it's a lot of numbers here. You can get this when you go on the Biter website and you're starting to download some of the information about what's the correct knock for you. We're talking about knock bed size and there's realistically two measurements that are important. There's the vertical measurement for sort of how big it is. And then there's the actual opening size for what your serving size should be and where the serving fits into that knock bed. And the number two is a little bit smaller than the number, I'm sorry, the number one is a little bit smaller than the number two. The two is the slightly uh, larger size, correct? Yeah. Perfect. And so what you're doing is, you know, get calipers, get whatever, but you're going to want to measure your side to side, the total diameter or the, gosh, it's not diameter. What, what do you call that measurement in engineering? It's I am, I am a salesman, not an engineer. In fact, <laughs> I call I call it the one is the knock bed, which is the, the, the in, in this case for number one, the 106 and the 118 for the number two. Yeah. And I have no idea how to call that smallest throat, which is actually the snapping diameter. Let's mm -hmm. call it the B, number B. Yeah. B is the snapping diameter. It's 086 for a number one and 098 for a number two. Yep. Let's just call it the width. That's a good word in English. So it's just the width, okay. the width of your serving. And you know, what we're talking about is the style of that biter wing. It has to still snap around it. It has to be able to grab it. Otherwise it's just going to be loose and your arrow is going to fall off. And those are the two size changes. So the number one is the 0.086. That's slightly smaller. The slightly larger one is the number two knock, the 0.098, correct? Yeah. Perfect. And as you're playing with these and you know, the consumer's trying to figure out what's the correct one for them, I guess that's probably the bigger question that you guys get all the time at Biter is us Americans, we want stuff easy and uh, German engineering doesn't always work that way. But when, when somebody's trying to figure out, look, I have this particular arrow and I have, you know, just a standard set of strings, you can go to the Biter website and you can figure out what's the correct knock to order. Correct. 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 Uh, I mean, it's clear view. If you have a, a, a 0 0.9, uh, 0 0.92 uh, string, mm -hmm. you need the number one knock. If uh, you have a 0 0.112 string or 115, I mean, I don't know any larger strings to be clear. Yeah. Uh, fact is, if we had, and you see the number three uh, knocks, but they are actually not, they are still available, but not requested at all. So I'm pretty sure we are covering with the number two, most of the compound sizes, mm -hmm. uh, or most of the compound strings also. Yep. But that's a really, it's a new information. Actually, you are the first getting it. Uh, we will also have a number one Hunter pin knock available oh. uh, in June, end of June, first, of, first week of July. Uh, and... One of the reasons is that 20 years ago, Rio Wild asked me to have a number one hunter knock. And I told him, it's not possible. We are not able to do it. The tolerance is too small. The desire. We are not able to fit all the gadgets of a biter knock into it. Mm -hmm. After 20 years, we find a way. 
And so three weeks ago, I sent him the first prototypes of it. I mean, Rio is uh, still a top archer. It's not the youngest anymore, but uh, I mean, who doesn't know Rio one? Yep. So fact is, uh, uh, he he has now some test uh, knocks, number one pin, and he seems to be pretty happy with them. And let's see if uh, all the audience and all the customers will think the same, if ever they have to shoot a smaller size string as he is using since 20 years yep so what we're saying here folks is when we're looking at you know if you have a pair of calipers that is the best way to figure out what is the correct size knock for you but if you don't own a pair of calipers and you just have you know a bow a brand new bow with a pretty basic set of strings even the aftermarket strings I'd say most likely you're going to go with the number two biter knock that's pretty standard string size we're to also talk about the number one would be for archers that tend to use a smaller serving. So that's going to create a smaller overall um, width for that string. That can be a number one knock. Uh, but I'd say the vast majority of people, wouldn't you say, would be a number two knock for a pretty standard bow, pretty standard set of strings for compound archery? Mm-hmm. Sorry, I didn't, uh, there was a, uh, I didn't hear. What is the question? Sorry. Oh, I was just saying, most likely for today's compound bow that comes with the stock strings or even aftermarket strings the majority of folks are going to be ordering the number two size knock yeah yeah, yeah that's correct and uh, it, it's fitting i mean mm -hmm. fact is that uh, as you have in the us also in europe we have many custom strings yeah. maker that are resetting or redoing strings for you or cables or whatever and you can choose what diameter of uh, what thickness of serving you want and what diameter of serving you want exactly because of the knock fit knock fit as we said is crucial mm -hmm. absolutely and it's if you have two knock sizes you can compensate it a little bit let's say but fact is you can tell okay i need this knock fit for the number one size knock and this knock fit for a number two size knock yep. and uh uh and, and the string manufacturer will do that with the serving material to fit your needs. Yep. And so just like we we did an episode on strings and cables, and if you tell your aftermarket string and cable maker, look, I want I want this finished serving size, you can achieve that either through the serving or through strand count. But if you say, you know, I want it to fit the number one size biter knock, that might be a little faster, it might be whatever, but you can customize it to make whatever you want. And just kind of getting back to my point of how how everybody can figure out what's the correct biter knock size for them. Let's say they want an in and out for uh, an Easton arrow shaft. That's when you just download the sizing charts. It goes through a bunch of different arrows. It'll then tell you the biter option that you're looking for, the color code for it, all that other stuff, correct? Fact is, it's much easier. I mean, we have our website is not made for sales because we don't do direct sales. Mm -hmm. So it's not so easy. Fact is we have a function, which is the knock search. First of all, that's important. If you go on our website, if our, you as a listener, or you might go on the website on burnerbiter.com, products, knocks, you will find the knock search. And the knock search is a pretty nice tool because you can insert the diameter of your shaft you can insert the name of the knock. You can insert the name of the shaft. For example, let's say, uh, uh, let's write uh, gold tip or just gold in the search string. And you will have a certain amount of arrows which shows which 
knocks are fitting that arrow. It's pretty neat. And uh, you can then go to the dealer and say, hey, I guys, I have a, um, for example, let's see a um, special knock, which is very strange. I have a, a gold tip or a airstrike or a victory 3D. And then you need a 204 knock because it has a 204 diameter. Okay. Or if you have a gold tip 3D, you need a 245 knock, which is our 19 series knock. And that's exactly all the information you get it on our website. Yeah. On the colors, you get every knock in red, green, orange, black, and white. Red, green, orange, transparent, black, and white. All knocks are available in these five colors. The main knocks are available in a wider variety. For example, our pin knocks are available in 16 different colors. Our 12 and 19 series, which is, let's call them, uh, please, Eastern... <laughs> don't be mad with me <laughs> unibushing super unibushing knocks yep. <laughs> uh, so fitting this unibushing super unibushing so our 12 knocks are the uh, 1.66 diameter so it's fitting a unibushing and our 19 series are 0, 0.245 uh, knocks fitting a super unibushing mm -hmm. these are also available in 15 colors so we have lots of colors available but the all not so very well-known knocks or not so good selling knocks because, I mean, it's clear the standard is to get standardized knock sizes, but we are not standard. We still have our tools, our molds, and our stock, and we try to get out our direct fit knocks as much as possible. Yep. I'd say a good rule would be, number one, for the average person, they're saying, okay, I'm going to check out some biter knocks. Let's say they're a bow hunter. They're trying to figure out what they want to do upgrade to a biter knock you go to the biter website you go to products knocks and that wonderful knock search the first thing you're going to do then is decide am i going to do the straight fit so no bushing or is there going to be a bushing i'd say for you know today's bow hunter they're probably going to be going no bushing straight insert into let's just say an easton axis type of arrow you just type in easton it'll then list all the easton or, arrows you can no, find your easton axis right it's enough if you write axis oh, sure. or if you write, so it's an X knock, by the way, mm -hmm. and it's a 204 knock. Yep. And exactly, if you write axis in the search, you find all the axis fitting knocks. In yep. this case, just a 204. Yep. And so that's perfect. You're going to find the, the type of knock you want. Again, with size, you're probably going to go with a number two, unless you have a special string. Standard strings are probably going to be a number two, but it's perfect. So... All the different arrow manufacturers we have these days, they're all on there. All you have to decide is whether you want a bushing style or a direct fit. As you talked about, the probably safer or the more specific and better fitting way to go would be a direct insert, no bushing, which for a smaller yeah. diameter is probably the way to go anyway. Yeah, and small diameters, I mean, the 204 is a smaller diameter still in my eyes. Mm -hmm. And it, it's available in this case, just a 204 hunter knock in number two. So we have for compounds with D-loop, we have only that one knock, but for recurve or for anyone want that wants to shoot an asymmetric knock, we said before, asymmetric knock are also used sometimes with D-loop. They are available in number one and number two on this specific knock side. I love it. Let's talk a little bit about when knocks get damaged. How can the archer tell when's a good time to replace a knock or what are some visual cues that a knock may have been damaged and it's time to replace it? 
you're asking the wrong guy. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I would say replace a knock after 50 hours you shot. Okay. But it's not, it's not true. I mean, the fact is our knocks last longer, mm-hmm. probably they last longer as they are hit and killed. Mm-hmm. If you logically shoot on a 3D where you won't have so much, at least not your arrows hitting your own arrows, but other arrows hitting your arrow, so you have less damages normally, mm-hmm. but the fact is you shoot better. So, uh, I mean, if you shoot a 3D tournament, the arrows on that animal or uh, on the target will be, in any case, all close around the X-ring or the kill ring. Yep. So the fact is, uh, we the life of the knock, of a bite knock, is probably stolen by another arrow. Not yep. by the knock itself. Correct. You have to change a knock when it's damaged. Uh, you see, if you have an indent or if the, another knock hit the back or if a, one wing falls off or whatever uh, because it's hit or you cut it or somehow. But in any case, uh, there is no reason to change a biter knock. In my eyes, either you shoot more than five, 600 cyclists with it. And that's huge, I think. Uh, and, and that's because of the stamp on and not the clamping yeah. uh, feature that we have. Yeah. So it's, as I said, you probably kill the knock before you have to change it. Yeah, I agree. And I, I was referring to a tournament style or whether you're hunting and something happens, you know, sometimes a knocks can get damaged just from other arrows. If you're all shooting in the same target, what have you, I have found some telltale signs. I mean, it's obvious if another arrow just destroys the knock and it's in a bunch of pieces, that's obvious, but sometimes not so obvious is you can see a crack sometimes develop if it hits and glances off of it that you may not realize. You can visually look at it, but I have found the biggest indicator is sometimes you'll feel, you know, when you shoot a lot of arrows, there's just a feel when that knock clicks onto your string. And that feel can sometimes just feel a little looser, just different. It can feel different than it normally does. That's usually a telltale sign that the knock has maybe been damaged by another arrow, something like that. But like you're talking about, it's not a bad idea to just randomly and routinely change your knocks to make sure they're all perfect, they haven't been damaged by anything, and they're all working as, as well as they can. Yeah. Perfect. So we had talked a little bit about um, the Biter website and not necessarily being a, a sales website. So where can people go and get Biter knocks and accessories and all the other good stuff you guys sell? So let's say in the U.S., Mainly, I mean, you can get them worldwide. We are exporting our knocks from Germany all over the world in 63 countries direct. Uh, we are actually, it's interesting. Uh, we talk about it after what, that's what I say now. Uh, in the US, we have a main distributor, which is Lancaster Archery mm-hmm. Supplies. But we also have uh, the manufacturer themselves, as for example, uh, uh, Victory, they're buying our knocks from us direct or through Victory dealers, you get them. But generally, uh, our main uh, account in the U.S. and main distributor is Lancaster. Rob Kaufhold was one of the first introducing the Biter knock uh, in the U.S. together with Rick McKinney. Probably everyone knows him as well. Mm-hmm. Actually, Rick wrote a letter to Mr. Biter in the 1985s. Uh, 1986, when he got the first biter knock and said in between one week he was able to improve his results by 40 points. And that couldn't be on a, on a feta round of 144 arrows. 
And that's something he said it never happened. So it must have been something to do with the Knox. And Rick McKinney uh, got his best results with them. And we still have a lot of uh, uh, American archer shooting by the Knox, especially in the recurve, sure. but also in the compound. As, as we said, some names before, but I mean, uh, Brady Ellison, Jack Williams, uh, just some of them of the actual one uh, shooting by the Knox. I'd say it's fair to say also, you know, people that are either hunting or starting to get into competitive archery, you know, when you buy a new set of arrows, it just comes with knocks from the manufacturer ordinarily, unless you're buying bare shafts. And I would venture to guess that when you're buying stock knocks that come with stock arrows, they're probably not going to be the best knocks you can buy because it's a price point thing, right? They're not going to invest a lot of money into knocks when you're buying the arrow. So aftermarket knocks like Biter are really important if you want to gain consistency and you want to get better. This is a perfect way to try and up your game and figure out what's the best way I can shoot this arrow and get them to tune better is a better fitting knock, right? Yeah, that's absolutely. And uh, as I said, we, we, we pointed out before, the con contact point between the arrow and the bow are two. Yeah. And it's neither the arrow nor the bow. <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it's a pretty clear thing. The whole uh, vector forces that are going onto the shaft go through the knock. Mm -hmm. So don't don't save the last fifty cent on a knock. That's my point. Uh, you get with the bite knock for sure one of the most consistent knocks on the market, one of the widely used over the years, for sure one of the most expensive. But we guarantee every knock is made here in Biter at Biter in the Black Forest. We are at the border of the Black Forest. In southern Germany, every single knock with the biter on it, which is original, coming through an original dealer, is made here in Germany. Mm -hmm. Just pay attention to buy on cheap uh, marketplaces because they are, as in all manufacturing, in all products, fakes coming out of China. Yep. So if you buy products out of China, not only knocks, anything you buy, pay attention because it's nothing original. They're knockoffs and fakes. Uh, and they can be dangerous. I mean, as we said, how important the knock is, uh, don't put a, 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 a cheap fake knock on it because that could, I, I can say a word, explode in your uh, in your shop mm -hmm. because the quality of the material is not good. The design is not the same, even if they look the same. Uh, they are not centered. I mean, we measured some. They are just crap. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, the, so... Just pay attention on everything you buy, buy original products. And okay, you spend more money, but there's a reason why. Special design, engineering, production, manufacturing is a key issue. And that's why we don't want anyone else to produce our knocks. We produce them all here in our factory. Yep. I think and there's... pay attention, knockoffs are a real big issue. Yes, that's some important information right there for everybody is knockoffs are a real thing. And there's two things that you should do. Remember that, number one, we should be supporting our local archery shop. So if you got a local shop and you want to order some biter knocks, they can get them. You can do it. Or go to Lancaster, which is a reputable um, vendor here in the U.S. Other than that, don't go to the other online things and trust anybody else. Don't be going to eBay. Don't be going to other things that say they may be selling biter knocks. It may not be. It might be, but it might not be. Go and get it the right way. And when we're talking about, I just got on Lancaster right now, and for a dozen biter in-out knocks, it's only 16 bucks. So that's just over 
a dollar per knock. And when you think about the material and engineering going into these things, that's a steal. That's a steal for this kind of quality of knock. And like you were talking about, Andreas, there's only two things that touch that bow <laughs> when you're shooting an arrow, two parts of the arrow touching a bow, and that is the knock and your arrow rest. So that's something to really you know, invest in. And these are not expensive. These are not expensive at a buck a knock, uh, just over you know, you're, you're not saving any money. So spend a little bit extra maybe from other manufacturers for a biter, but I wouldn't say it's outrageous by any means. And, and, and again, it's, uh, it, in my eyes, it's pretty important to say that, uh, the, they are made out of one cavity. I mean, you can buy that knock after one year or in a different color and that knock, that pin knock or that in out knock or whatever, what the knock you are buying. It's coming out of the same mold logically and that's clear we are talking about manufacturing every mold has a lifetime okay logically sooner or later we have to replace that cavity but every next knock coming out of that cavity is again the exact equal knock as as the one that was coming out from the new cavity introduced to the market so for example we had a, a, a 14 years, the first cavity of the hunter knock changed, of the pin hunter knock two years ago. Mm -hmm. So slight changes, but every knock in the same packaging is coming out of the same cavity. Still, just the knocks sold three years ago were from another cavity because it was the older cavity. So there is a wearing, there is a maintenance on each cavity, uh, on each uh, mold. That means on that one cavity that we are using. So, but every knock in that package is coming out of the same cavity because we have only one. Yep. That's important. Yeah, I agree. Consistency. It's going to be the same knock every single time, no matter what. Yeah. I love it. Well, is there anything we haven't gone over that you want to talk about, biter or otherwise? I've been looking through the website, everything else. I mean, this is an episode focused on knocks, but I don't know that we've covered everything. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Well, I think we covered pretty much uh, of it. Uh, I thank you so much for the time, and I hope all uh, all you out there listening to us uh, learn something new about it. Let's just say some of the key points which are very important. Never glue knocks, especially not biter knocks. Uh, don't um, don't shoot a knock which is a biter knock which is clamping on a string when it's in in, it, in its place, it should snap on the string and be free to move mm -hmm. if there is no knock set. And use the tools that allow you to install a knock without damaging it, like the push and pull. The push and pull gives you the chance to install a knock without damaging it and to extract it without damaging it. So these are key points. And don't forget, Python knocks are made 100% in Germany and they are definitely coming all out of the same cavity. That's one of the reasons why they are more expensive than others. Mm -hmm. I like it. The other points I would bring up is when we're looking for consistency, make sure that biter logo is facing up. The, yep. the hunter knock, the designation hunter means it's a symmetrical knock. That means it's perfectly up and down. It's intended for D-loop use. So for the standard compound bow, uh, D-loop shooter, you're going to be looking for the hunter knock. If you are a recurve shooter or finger shooter, that's when you're looking for the asymmetrical knock. 
the asymmetricals will work with a compound, but they're not really designed for that. So if you're trying to check out new lock knocks and figure out what works best for you, you're probably safer with a hunter knock, probably a number two size. You're right. Exactly. So we brought it up to the points and uh, Martin, thank you very, very much for the time you had uh, and that you brought up uh, our company to this uh, podcast. Uh, and I'm pretty sure some of you learned something new. Some others may go and buy and at least try the knock. Ah, and one thing is clear. There, if you change from a knock type to another knock type, especially in the in the manufacturer's way, from I, I can't can I say other names of sure. other knocks? Yeah. So if you change from an Eastern or bony knock to our knock or from gold tip knock, Arnold, you might have to change a little bit your setup. So don't expect that you are hitting the same hole and the same tier uh, in a paper test as you did with the other. Mm -hmm. So you will reset a little bit the tune, but uh, just do it. I mean, nothing will happen. I mean, uh, you can't expect that the Bider knock, which is a completely different uh, type of knock than the knock you were shooting before, will give you the same tuning uh, uh, results uh, without changing the tune itself. That's a great point. So what we're saying is if you don't shoot a biter lock right now and you want to change to a biter knock, you may see your arrows hitting a slightly different area because of the change to a different knock style. However, if you stick with the biter company knock, the other advantage of that is it's always the same size. So it's always going to be the same dimensions even between different knocks. So once you make the decision to change, as long as you stay with biter, then that setup should stay the way it is, you know, forever theoretically. Oh. Well, at least the knocking hate uh, won't change, uh, but uh, for sure the tuning, I mean, if you change from a, a pin knock to a direct fixed insert knock, it will change because uh, the pin and the insert will make the arrow stiffer, weaker, depending, mm -hmm. than the direct fixed knock. So if you change from a direct fit to a pin knock, even from biter, you have any case to retune. I mean, just be sure if you're shooting one type of knock and change the knock, the knock is changing your tune. I love it. Well, Andreas, really appreciate your time. I definitely learned something. I think everybody's learned quite a bit about Knox, something that people you know, sometimes look over, but a lot of engineering goes into it, and it can really help your results. So I think it's important for everybody to try it out, try a different Knox, and see if it works for you. Exactly what I say, and thank you again. Thank you again for listening, and maybe we will have another podcast on another Python product soon uh, or later, and uh, I will be a uh, available. Thank you so much, Mark. I love it. We'll be in touch. Have a great day. Thank you.